The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled The Ike Rabern Show. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. He's a writer, an entrepreneur, an outspoken conservative voice, recorder of deeds for Homie County in Terre Haute, Indiana, billionaire playboy, philanthropist, renaissance man. But tonight, he's our guest. We have Gilroy Monsanto here with me right now. Gilroy? Hey, hey, folks. How y'all it's, doing? It's wonderful is, to see you again. Thank you for coming. Hey, uh, pleasure is all mine, my friend. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to some enticing conversation. Um, I was wondering before we get started too much, is the drink girl coming back around or is this me for an hour or, 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 or do I do I one of your staff help me get this or something? Because I just want this drink here a little freshened up. Oh, well, we can have we can have her come back. Um, maybe during the break, we can have her come by and we'll uh, t- yeah, give her a little yeah, yeah. refresher. Okay. It's your show. Uh, I, I don't mean to impose. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. Happy to talk to some good people. Uh, promote some of my, uh, my junk. You know, I'm just a regular guy ready to talk this out. I've been excited. Looking forward to this all week. Oh, I have I've been very much wanting to have you on for quite some time, as you know. Um, we've met plenty of times and had some wonderful conversations and it's finally great to have you come on and be able to talk about um who the real gary monsanto is hopefully so well you know i you know we've had some good conversations in the past i think we met in the kuwanis club or the elk lodge or something like that and you know i think uh, you know it's gonna be different having a little civilized formal uh conversation here on television for everybody uh so please just punch looking forward to it uh, I got, I'm an open book. You go ahead and read me however you like. All right. Well, once you hold that thought, we actually have to take our first break here. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Gary Monsanto. Don't go away, folks. Well, that was pretty easy right there, his first break. Uh, you know, I hope I didn't uh, come on too uh, 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 recklessly, but uh, let's get that drink girl over here. I'm looking for something on the rocks. Why don't you bring him a few over here? You can just put them behind his chair and just stack. Yeah, put or them under by the my desk, feet right down there. Under the table there. Yeah, I don't want to be sitting here looking like some low class rube with four scotches on my uh, on this table. Nice table, nice cedar mahogany thing you got going here. Oh, you like it? Well, we actually, um, John Travolta actually brought this for me. Ooh, T Man, T Bird. Yeah, he's a weird guy. Got a square face. Uh, liked him in Greece though. It's very very peculiar person to be around his he brings everyone into the same kind of um i don't know if it's the right term um like energy uh or uh ambiance to the room and kind of brings everyone to his own wavelength i don't know how he does it but he find it fascinating yeah i don't know i've never seen such like a square shaped man uh like square in the face have such like a confused feminine energy to him uh Good guy and all, but good lord, you know. Now, Gary, whenever I've seen you on on T, whenever I've seen you on TV, um, not to change the subject, um, you know, John's great. We love to have him on here whenever he comes on. Um, whenever I've seen you on TV or in the news, for whatever reason, you always have a big smile for everyone, but regardless of the situation, you know, um, like where does that come from? What 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 makes you? able to retain that sort of positivity all the time you know i just i consider myself a, a man of the people you know mm. 
good people around, people in Terre Haute, anybody, anywhere, uh, like come by, say, Gilroy, you know, I walk around, I raise the roof, I'm the man around here, you know, how y'all doing? I'm shaking hands, I'm kissing babies, I'm doing, I just, I enjoy being around people, I enjoy talking, I enjoy hearing my own voice, I like goofing off, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just a man of the people, uh, you know, just, I come from a humble, humble background, like to talk to people, like to help people in my own way. Now, you mentioned you came from a humble background. Um, so your childhood, as I understand, was much different than obviously your life now, clearly. Um, but you, like you said, you like to be seen, despite coming from humble beginnings, you like to be seen. You're always wearing these uh, elaborate suits, normally white, maybe they have sequins on them or um, you know, large cowboy hats. So you're always easy to notice and easy to spot. Is that, does that, have you, have you always been that way or? I mean, ever since I was a little boy, I, I'd like to say that, um, you know, ain't nothing wrong with a man looking good. Ain't nothing wrong with walking into any old place looking like boss hog or whatnot. Uh, I got a look. I like the white suits. I like the, you know, I like, I like my kind of aquamarine jewelry, you know. I like a bolo tie. Who doesn't? Um, I like having a big old flower on my lapel and uh, um, big old cowboy boots. Extravagant. I, I, that's how I like to look. You know, I'm a man that lives completely without want, you know. So so I can afford to kind of do this stuff, and I don't think there's a crime in looking good. Now, when you say about my background, uh, we're um, actually going to come it back. Was humble. This, we've been on break this 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 whole time, um, but we're about to come back. So all this that you've been telling me—Are you kidding me? What's the red light mean then on the camera? The red light—I thought that meant it was taping. Well, it is taping. Well, they—it's. Don't worry about that. But we're going to bring it back. I'm going to um, bring you some. This is sort of like a preliminary. If you want to go through it again. Oh, okay. Um, all right. That's okay. Okay. All right, well, just tell me when I'm starting, because I don't want to waste my fucking breath, all right? All right, well, I'll, I'll take us off, and then you just follow my lead, okay? Yeah, yeah. I, now, I've been on the circuit before, man. You're talking to a three-time guest of The View. Welcome back to the Ike Rayburn Show. We're sitting here tonight with a first-time but very special guest. This is Gilroy Monsanto joining us. How y'all doing? Now, before we went to the break, you were, before you were talking about um, getting another drink, I just wanted to, um, we didn't have time, I wanted to get into, Gilroy, you, whenever I see you on TV or in the news or whatever it may be, regardless of the situation, you always have a big smile for everyone. Now, how, I guess my question is, how do you maintain that positivity at all times? Let me let me ask you a question in response to your question. I, uh, you want to see little old Gilroy walking around frowning, dragging his feet everywhere, kicking rocks? You want to see me with my head down? You want to see me with a, a, a big old rain cloud following me around, Charlie Brown style, right? You want to see me try to kick a football and miss, fall my bum? You want to see that? No, nobody wants to see that. I, so I'm going to go around. I'm a man of the people. I like patting people on the back aggressively. I like real, real strong handshakes. That makes men think if you're sizing them up or not. You know, I like going around. I like waving my hat in my face when it's hot and fanning off. And you know what? I, I'm smiling. I'm there to entertain. I'm there to please. I'm there to get my big ass white veneers popping out of my mouth, smiling, seeing everybody. That's just who I am. Like I, I just I consider myself a man of the people. 
Yeah, public spectacle, public figure, you know? People know who Gilroy is. People expect him to act a certain way, and I'm happy to oblige. Mm-hmm. Right, and when we were talking during the break, actually, um, you were telling me about how you came from humble beginnings and how and I asked you if you've always kind of liked to be in the spotlight, kind of like to be seen. Um, were you always as extroverted and, um, I guess, uh, boisterous as you are in public, in your public image? Are you Have you always been like that in your private life or as a child? Were you sort of, you know, the center of attention in your family or was that something that you had to work for? Well, you know... I, I always, you know, was uh, an attention getter. I come from a big family. People know a lot about my family now, the Monsanto family. And uh, uh, a lot of times they get the wrong image, you know. You know, I'm one of seven brothers, right? I got my oldest brother, Braxton Bragg Monsanto, George Pickett Monsanto. And after him, there's old Bloody Bill Anderson Monsanto. Uh, then you got John Mosby Monsanto, PJT Beauregard Monsanto, right? You got Jeb Stewart Monsanto. You got Robert E. Lee Monsanto. Then you got me, little old Gilroy Monsanto, right? So I got all these big boys in my family, right? And I'm the middle child. I got to do something. I got to do something to get attention. It's a lot of testosterone, right? (laughs) You go ahead. Well, I I suppose so. I suppose so. It was a dirty house, you know, for having that many boys running around, wrestling, spitting, Fighting each other all the time and whatnot, but you know my my paw my paw kept things in line pretty well. Uh, uh, you know, uh, say humble beginnings. You know, we accomplished a lot, but you know that's what humble means. You got a lot of shit, but um, you know, you you're you're not you're not waving it in front of everybody's face and whatnot. And you know, a lot of people don't know this about my daddy. My daddy was a sharecropper, and uh, did that for some time. You know, well, as I understand it, you on top of you having many brothers and um. Your father being part of the Monsanto family, obviously. You also have thousands, thousands of cousins, Monsantos, um, and I, I, I liken it to the a little bit like the royal family in Saudi Arabia. Um, they have something I think I read of around twenty thousand princes alone, and I, I, a little bit remind me of the Monsanto family. He says because there might be, you know. One family may have a little bit more than money than another, depending on their shares or what um, what have you, or their background or the way they're raised. But they're, you're all Monsanto's, just like they're all from the house Al Saud. Yeah, I find that interesting. Like, How was that like in comparison to your cousins and kind of growing up and comparing yourselves to them? Well, you know, um, you know, my daddy was, you know, he he was he was a part of the family business, right? And um, help lead and orchestrate that you know he was a sharecropper too but you know you know just like let's say you're a basketball player right a pro nba player but you also you know were a janitor once like dennis robin you can still say you were a janitor right and and he bought into that sharecropping thing just to kind of say uh you know help our political careers in the future because we're all kind of being groomed in that direction but um you know, with my cousins and stuff like that, I see a lot of comparisons with the Ben Salmans. Uh, they're good old family to us, Ben Salmans. We see them about once a year. They get their 11 best guys. We get our 11 best guys, right? And we have kind of a round royal sports tournament uh, where we go through like ping pong, football, soccer, uh, the horse polo one, which, I, I you know, it's a little bit confusing to me because um, especially since you can't use the hammers to hit the horses, you got to hit the ball, which is a weird thing in general. But yeah, I can see that a lot where how, how we can be kind of considered like American royalty, right? Because we aren't born to nothing. 
We're just we will all work hard, and that's how we get it. And their their kind of royalty is where you're just the king, because a guy a hundred years ago said you was or whatever. I'm not too good with that kind of international stuff. I like to stick to more American style politics, specifically because the names are easier to pronounce. Right. And I was actually, I guess, I wanted to talk to you, um, not just about your background, but of course where you started yourself and how you became um, the man you are today. I'm, I was wondering, what made you want to be a billionaire? Well, I always wanted to be a billionaire since, you know, I kind of want to follow in my daddy's footsteps. You know, he was a billionaire, and uh, we all kind of saw that as uh, uh, the benchmark to how you want to exist. You know, um, you see a positive male role model in front of you, right? And there's seven brothers, and we're all fighting all the time trying to get his attention. And uh, we just kind of, you know, all did what we can to get at the level he was. I mean, sure, he helped out a little bit, but we're almost all man-made. And we get to the level where we're at by working hard. And, you know, I got my start in my daddy's business and uh, handled a lot of the school lunch divisions, kind of orchestrating school lunches around the country. Um, The funding for that wasn't there, so we had to get kind of like secondary funding for genetic testing and whatnot, things like that there, and learned a lot of good information through that. A lot of people wouldn't think that like a school lunch program could make hundreds of millions of dollars. But I'm a billionaire. I'm a different type of thinker. I'm an innovator. I'm a doer. And because of my insight into just knowing how this stuff works, I was able to make $100 million off of public school lunches. And you know what? You know, people may have gotten mad about it once some of the details leaked from the CIA. But guess what? All those kids, ain't they ain't complaining that they're taller. Ain't a single one of them shorter for it, Right. I find it interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, Go ahead. uh, You know, if a few kids get hit puberty at six, seven years old, that ain't bad for you. That ain't bad for you at all. Would you rather have dinner sooner or later? I'd rather have it sooner. And that's kind of how my views on puberty is. Just because we got these seven-year-olds with this armpit hair and hairy butts and whatnot doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, right? And I made a whole boatload of cash from it and learned a whole lot of good stuff for our science friends. And to me, that's a win-win. I read an article in the New York Times that talked about how this was the 90s, correct? Um, how Bill Clinton actually personally approved this program, and you were the first person to introduce um, unique GMOs to school lunches, as well as chili, which I found fascinating because well, they never saw this before. They didn't have chili at lunches. They didn't. These kids were you know, kind of blind to the fact that it existed almost. And I guess it was kind of interesting to me because this chili was making them grow to enormous sizes. And as they got bigger, they wanted more. And it kind of, right. unfortunately, for many for many, sta- well, for many states, there was a large shortage in about 1999 of chili across the, across the nation. And, um, how did you handle that? What was that like for you? Because it was not some good press, as I understand it. Well, well let me let me get this, because every innovator always has problems with it, right? Um, you create the market, right? So they wanted more chili. Well, there was a shortage of it. Well, I don't see that as my fault. Now, if you look in the 70s, what kids were eating for school lunch, up to the 70s and 80s, they were eating foods that don't exist no more. Salisbury steak, clams casino, you know, um, stuff like that. That's what kids were having for school I'm lunch. Right and I'm like, I was just gonna say, I, I, I remember when I was a, when I was a kid. I remember they served um, chicken cacciatore. You don't see that's kind of an yeah. extinct food now, right? 
Yeah, you don't see no kish, ch- uh, chicken cachatore. You don't see no clams casino, right? So kids want chili. They want chicken fingers. They want french fries. And I'm responsible for bringing those foods in the forefront, right? And I wouldn't say anybody now is complaining about it. Now, back then, the, you know, uh, clams casino people went to the government, had this big hearing about it, says conspiracy and whatnot. But guess what? They don't exist no more. Ain't no clams casino oversight committee. Nobody gives a two hoots and a holler for that stuff, right? So you can thank me for having chili on the menu, boys. Now, you have, I mean, we could get to this later if you want, but you have a book coming out. Yeah, we, let's talk about that now. The whole reason I came on this thing. I got a book. And it's coming you, out. You've written a, you've of, written a collection of things before and essays and um, for different outlets and also published collections of essays and um, certain things like that. But this is your first full length book that you are fully publishing yourself. Um, right, right, right. Now you own the publishing company, obviously, but. Um, what is the book like? What is it about? And why don't you tell us, tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, I've, I've written books before. Um, this is kind of a new ground for me. My first book, you know, I wrote that book uh, in the 80s uh, um, called, Yeah, It's a Pretty Nice Car, Ain't It? And that was a book on helping rich guys talk to women. Because before I changed the narrative in this country, rich men were not viewed as sexy. Rich men were not desired by women. Right. I changed that whole thing. I'm the reason why uh, hot women like rich guys now is it's thanks to me because that book, I I invented the trick of of sitting down at a bar and putting your car keys right on the top so everybody can see your cool, cool car, your Lamborghini or whatnot, your Maserati or whatnot. Right. I invented that move and it worked a hundred times. Right. So I decided, oh, I'm gonna help my fellow rich guys learn how to get girls. Right. So I, I did that. Uh, and I wanted to move on to something more relevant because I'm seeing this country, this country I love so much, right? And I'm thinking about where I come from and the struggles that are going on there today. Uh, Ak, uh, you you came from a humble background yourself, right? Where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in Nebraska. Midwest, God's country. That's what I'm talking about here. That's what I'm talking about here. And so I wrote this book. A lot book. of corn. It's coming out <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah. And this book that I wrote, it's called Hillbilly Elegy 2, right? Because I saw that first one, and I read that, and I'm like, huh. Well, I'm I'm this guy, but times two, you know? I'm twice as successful. I was twice as poor and twice as ugly as he was, and I made something of myself, no problem. So I'm like, I can do that, right? So J.D. Vance, you can go sit on an egg for all I care. I got a better book now. It's called Hillbilly Elegy coming out, well, too. Well, right? it's my personal and, uh, opinion, but uh, I think you're very handsome, actually. You're very well distinguished. You, you're a gentleman. You dress very nice, and I don't I don't. Oh, I don't you making me blush, you boy. You're, ugly. <laughs> you're a charmer, right? You're a charmer. I tell you that. But yeah, I I, I wanted to uh, uh, kind of start this book to talk about things that are going on in the Midwest. Things that are going on in the heartland and real America, right? And uh, uh, um, I had the inspiration from that book, and and it's just kind of going through how I grew up, you know, when I was a young boy in Terre Haute. And uh, you look at a lot of the stuff that's going on there. A lot of the factories shut down. I mean, we was talking about this earlier, right? Um, you know, uh, we had you know the the ankle socks completely destroyed. The high ankle socks, that factory shut down, right? 
and, and, and you know, the mason jar factory that shut down, uh, the Model T car factory that shut down. Um, you're looking at the uh, uh, clean coal completely erased the the dirty coal industry that was going on here in Terre Haute. All those dirty coal mines that were full of like banana peels and bugs and stuff like that. Um, twice as bad for the environment as clean coal. Well, uh, we're not we're Obama not in Terre Haute at the moment. You're in the studio here in Los right, Angeles. Right, right. But, but I'm, 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 the book primarily draws on the experiences right. uh, that's going on there. First, well, I remember. When I was when I was a kid, um, the news that the the Christmas toy factory in Terre Haute, Indiana, closed down, and I thought it was it it yep. was so terrifying to me because I thought, well, where are we get where are kids going to get their Christmas toys now? And of course, there's other Christmas toy factories, but that was the first one, and I I was so scared, and um, it really affected me even as a as a youngster. Well, I, I tell you, the biggest one that probably hit me the hardest closing down to Terre Haute was the glitter mines. Mm. Uh, we'd have fellers that go down. You know, they had a night shift. They had a day shift. 24 hours, there was somebody down in them glitter mines digging for glitter. And they'd get glitter lung, and they'd pass away as young as, you know, four to five. Their lungs just filled with, like, multicolored, glistening glitter, coughing up glitter all the time. Right. Coming up from underground, their faces covered in glitter. Something, something, so so much glitter gonna make a, a a strip club attendee blush. You know what I'm saying? And it was really hard for that to kind of go on, and, uh, and and you saw a lot of people that still got health problems from this day from the glitter factory. And you have that compacted with the fact that you know glitter mines shut down, glitter processing shut down. This used to be a glitter town, you know, and now it's all synthetic now. With all of the, and they're making way more money than those mines did. The the authentic glitter, and you know, it's kind of a shame because, you know, all of yeah, these. It was never profitable have, to be. We're having with, more really. gay parades than ever, so they would have made actually money now, in those mines. Yeah. But unfortunately, it wasn't very profitable. Glitter is one of the cheapest things there is. You know, they put it in lotions, they put it in lip gloss, they put it in lipstick. It's almost kind of impossible Strippers to... Strippers put it on their butt all, to hide their acne. And it's the funny thing is it's it's almost like it's a, this resource that's endless, this infinite resource. If we could find a way to utilize that for energy because you can't seem to get rid of it. It's like a cockroach or, or no. a virus. You can't get rid of glitter. You can't get it off your body. Um, it gets all over everything. It sticks to everything. And it's, it's really a shame that those towns that ran... And were run by glitter are gone now because you know these corporations come in and they shut things down or they the well it's not the corporation's fault you know let's not go crazy I mean on, I mean I mean <laughs> on the coast I mean here on the coast and right. uh, California and out out east well you know that's why you know and, and this is an aside from the book for a moment you know that's why I you know I got so in so much hot water they had me on TMZ coming out of a strip club. And I'm like, I'm from a glitter town. How else am I going to support the glitter industry? I'm supposed to just go to some kid's birthday party? I ain't know the kid. I'm just going to show up. Hey, it's Gilroy Monsanto. Okay, right. Like I'm I mentioned, pin the tail on the donkey. You, I mentioned earlier. No, I'm going to go to a strip club. I'm going to support them workers there. As I mentioned earlier, you could uh, attend. I mean, you could attend one of the many, many gay parades that happen um, throughout every city in America. Actually, especially in uh, during oh, yeah. the summer during Pride Month, you could. Uh, you could be I, going to those. I ain't got nothing against them fellers, you know, but 
I ain't got nothing against them fellers, but you know, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to tempt them. Uh, Gilroy, as you said, I, I'm a popular man when it comes to sexually appealing. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to go there, um, but they're fine to me. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to a gay parade. And I'm gonna. And I'm gonna go hit the mosque. Then I'm gonna go get some vegan chili. That's what Gilroy's gonna do. That's what he's gonna do. <laughs> he's joking, but of course we have to take another break at this moment. Um, come back, folks. We're not going away. We get a little bit more to talk about. You know, I kind of. I, I. I wasn't. I, I feel like ninety five percent chance I'm good you're as fine, long as right. there wasn't there wasn't a shooting at it. Like you no, know, we can we can we can cut anything out if necessary. But you handled that very well, very well. You know, I got my I got my you know my crack social media team that the second anything starts happening, they start saying he was antifa. So that usually buys me a couple of days if there was a shooting. But but is that, know, that that hope there was little pray, that little pray, cluster of twenty three year olds in suits that you have follow you around? It's I thought yeah, they were, I thought they were kind of they're kind of cute because it reminded me of you know when I was working as a like a young, a young guy Those are my working nerds. as a grip or something like that early on in the in the industry. It's great because if we get we're uh, listen lean in for this one because I don't want these nerds hearing it. If we get our grips in the young ones and start giving them a bunch of money before they have any opinions, right? As long as they're middle class or above, I'm gonna turn all these little suckers into Republicans. They don't do shit. That social media shit don't do shit. We spend $2 trillion on targeted Facebook ads that hit like 10 guys, right? The whole real reason we hire these social media teams is we make them rich so we can convert some young people to the conservative vote. That's the whole thing. That's the whole scam. We give them fake jobs that don't do nothing just to make them Republican. It's worth it in the long run. We did the numbers on it. Well, every young man, I of course, they... Uh they have some learning to do. Um, all of their suits are ill-fitting, and it's all their dad's suits. Yeah, they're all know? kind of you know still. I feel like teenagers in a way. It's no, but here's the thing: those same ones in three years, they're all going to look like Macklemore. They're all going to look exactly like them. And all the women, they're going to just dye their hair blonde. They're going to put on a weird tight skirt with some chunky red tall heels. And they're going to cake on some lipstick. And guess what? The Republicans now, too. Now, I don't want to get into the political aspects of your career. Well, Obviously, yeah, that's well, a big this part. Is a, I'm not mean, going to talk about it. I don't mean to insult you at all. Um, I, I got to sell, I gotta sell you, this book. As you know, the show. Right. I want to talk to you a little bit more on a personal level and a little bit more of your work as an entrepreneur or oh, philanthropy. Are we back no, on? no, no, no. Like I said, oh, we're going to do what we did last time. Um, so you're fine here. You can relax. Um, what? Jennifer, why don't you bring him another one of those? Yeah, In fact, this bring one's running a little bit and, dry. And I got you, some empty bot, empty glasses by my I'll feet take a, there. I'll you take might want to get those. Okay. Well, look at you, huh? No, just put it. Look no, at just you. put it in the coffee mug. It's fine. Hey, don't. Hey, you know, don't tell her to go away now. Yeah, what's your name? What's all you up to? She'll get us the drinks. Uh, no, get right. Just fuck right. us up. Um, do you have to use the restroom? Just do you have to use the restroom at, and, and, at all, or? You okay? No, I'm good. I'm good. And I can hold her pretty well. Uh, you know, I may be getting up there in years, but you know that that my ding is still a steel trap. I'm not leaking nothing. Don't worry about me none. All right. Well, whenever you're ready, we'll uh, we got about another minute, um, and then I'll like I said, we will. I'll lead us in, and you just follow me. Lead again. Super easy. Yeah, no problem. I'm having a good time. This is easy. I'm glad to hear. I'm glad you came on. on I'm glad you came on. I love. I love doing. You know what network is this on? I'm sorry. Well, this, this is on. This is PBS. This or is so CBS. Is this? CBS. All right. Yeah. 
I'm gonna sell one million books soon. This dumb show. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Ak. I'm sorry. I'm gonna sell one. Right, you better books get those out before the show old, starts again. <laughs> only old people watch any type of network television. Welcome back to the Ike Rayburn Show. We're sitting here and talking with none other than Gilroy Monsanto. How y'all doing? Now, before we went to the break, what were we talking about, Gilroy? We were talking about how you... Uh, we're talking about the Glitter Factories. The glitter Factories, right. We was talking about, uh, you know, kind of an excerpt from my book, Hillbilly Elegy 2, which is going to be out September 25th. So make sure to check your bookstores if those still exist in your neighborhood. If not, go to Amazon.com because that's where I buy everything now, just like me and everyone over 60. Now, not to take away from your book... Um, of course, I'm very excited to read it. Um, I just got my copy tonight as you brought me. Thank you for the gift. Yeah, go ahead and you know, pop that open at any given time. Now, when we had dinner the other night, you said something that stuck with me about how, and like I said, I didn't want to get too political or anything like that, and we don't have to go that way, but something you said to me really stuck with me. You said, if we're going to make this country what it used to be, we have to have cowboys again. Now, what, what, what did you mean by that? I meant it quite literally. We need to have cowboys again. So you mean like the Wild now, West with the saloons and the spurs and the duels with the six shooters? If it leads to that, yes. Now, what's critical about it is the actual cowboy itself. Now, cowboyism can survive in any era, right? You got yourself a, a, a solitary man doing long, grueling work, right? That's what a cowboy is, right? Driving the cattle, right? Now, we build a lot of fences, so it's not as popular. But guess what? We can get a ramp or something. We can get them going. You can have a whole bunch of cattle, right, and not put them in a cattle car, but just walk them all the way down to Chicago, sell them down there, huh? If we have cowboys, it works on many levels, not just the meat and the economy of it, but guess what? On the movie side, we haven't had any good movies about cowboys in a long time. Those movies generate millions of dollars. International image, right? Texas is huge. Anytime you go to any country, any otherwhere else, they're going to ask you if you're from Texas because they've seen so many movies about cowboys there. You know, they got cowboys in Mexico. They're called vaqueros. You know that? I did not know that. Now, you have the image of a rodeo. You got the image of a gunfight. A cowboy is a very powerful thing. It's basically our real mascot. So that stupid eagle bird that nobody ever gets to look at, Right. A, a, a eagle that almost goes extinct all the time. That's our motto. That's that's what our well. What I feel like our I feel by. like the 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 mascot of the United States of America now at this point is the the soldier in a way, or maybe a a firearm. Well, you can see a you know a soldier might be a you know a modern day cowboy in a way. You know, maybe instead of having you know thousands of guys in in all kinds of different countries, we just send like a couple badass guys. Right, and it's a lawless land, and we put a GoPro on them. We have them go there. We train them to say cool stuff. We train them to walk into the sunset. That way, we're gonna save money by just having some guys with some six shooters there. You know, some guy comes up to him that's Taliban, says, "Hey, cowboy, I'm gonna shoot you." I don't know how Taliban sound. And guess what? He gonna quick draw. He gonna shoot the gun out of their hand. He gonna kick them to the ground. He gonna spank their butt like they're a little kid. Now, you catch that on a GoPro? I tell you what. $300 million, $300 million in YouTube view ads. We're going to be making some money on these cowboys. I guess I just don't picture John Wayne getting PTSD <laughs> or uh, 
or maybe seeing a a guy in a Camaro in a Sergio Leone movie. Uh, it's just I'm just old fashioned, I suppose. But um, I do like I do like the idea of the, the return of the cowboy in this country. I, I'm just a little bit skeptical. Maybe it's something that has come and gone, and it's not possible to bring back. But well, I, I would say if this, anyone were to that, do it, that, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way: if anyone were to be able to do it, I believe it'd be you. People always say that you know especially conservatism, kind of clings to the past, right? This idyllic image of like the 1950s nuclear family and that things just aren't like how they were back then. And maybe just there's a generalized fear of getting older because you're not afraid of what next. And you tend to look at the past through, you know, rose-colored lenses, right? And I say, that's not true because we're just not clinging hard enough to the past. And we're not going far enough back into the past now, I'd say 1880s is a good measure to go at, right? We won most of our wars then, right? We haven't won a, a good war. We haven't won a clean war in a while. There ain't been a clean war. Nobody fights like how they used to no more. You think about the Revolutionary War, they just stood there getting shot, letting other people shoot them. There's some dignity in that. You know who won and lost. Now it's all confusing, right? So I say we go to the 1880s, get some cowboys, do that, revamp America in that image, and we'll be fine. I ain't worried about it. I already got the hats for it. I already got the boots for it. Now, I don't want to bring up any unpleasant thoughts or images of you that have been stirred up or, you know, imposed by the media or tabloids or gossip blogs and what have you. Um, I was curious about the... People are probably going to ask me about it. Why didn't you ask him about it? So... and. You know me personally, and I think you you wouldn't mind. I know you. I know you. You had some legal troubles. Legal, <clears throat> excuse me, legal troubles recently. Yep, that's true. Um, there are some downsides to being a. Uh, this is how I view it. There's some downsides of being a powerful, charismatic man. Um, my politics put a target on my back, whether people want to admit that or not politics put a target on my back i'm a hot young voice in the republican party right and i'm 55 years old i'm the youngest coolest republican there is because of this you know feminists um liberals uh progressive socialist communists they've all kind of teamed up in a universal disregard for me and uh have arranged through psychological warfare and trickery and convincing a, 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 a woman to maybe disappear. Um, you know, I'm, I'm saying more than, than, than I've wanted to, uh, my, my lawyer, Alonzi is poor regard. Esquire has been working diligently to me. And thankfully the, uh, the case of candy milkers who has gone missing in Terre Haute, um, I did see her last. I don't know what happened to her. It has already got pushed out of federal court. You know, whatever happened to her, they said they found a body and, you know, had an autopsy 30 minutes later, and then they immediately uh, burned it, cremated it right there on the spot. So 30 minutes they found they found her, and 30 minutes later she was cremated. A lot of people saying that that somehow points to me, like I was there. I was asleep in my bed. I don't know nothing about it. It's gone out of litigation. We're in civil court now. 
Um, probably send more than I should, but you know. You know, Candy was a good friend of mine. I helped her out a lot. I bought her, you know, classes, cosmetology school. I got her a Plymouth Prowler, one of the coolest cars there is. Why would I kill why would I kill somebody or or send somebody missing or whatever they said I did after I bought her a Plymouth Prowler? It just doesn't make sense. And uh, people try and connect dots where there ain't no dots. And it's a tragedy. But I have nothing to do with it. I take zero responsibility for it. And uh, frankly, I, I find it's disrespectful to me in my, my, my personal life. Because now, every time I go to Hooters, I get the side eye. None of the girls talk to me like they used to, which is uh, really, really, the exact same, really. The exact same Hooters that Candy Milkers worked at? Yeah, I don't. I thought they'd be cool. They knew what was up. I said I didn't do it. They don't trust me none. I'm still going there. I got too much pride. And I tip well enough, they got to talk to me. But, uh, yeah, it's really, really hurt me. It's really, really been uh, a stab in my gut to feel betrayed by the Hooters waitresses that I cherished so much. But, um, you know, that's not what, not why we're here. I know you had to say it. I don't blame you for it. Um, powerful men get a lot of attention drawn to themselves. Um, that they do, you know, and uh, I've had lots of friends who've had the same thing. My buddy Louis CK just went through it. My buddy Dave Chappelle talks about all the time. Uh, my buddy Jeffrey Epstein, you know, he was always the one telling me, don't let the haters get you down. And, you know, he's doing fine now, so I'm not too worried. But, you know, these things happen. I'm sorry. He Well, he's he's deceased. We'll talk after the show. All right. Well, I'll take your word for it. We're going to take another break. Don't go anywhere. What are you talking about? You can't. You ain't heard? You can't bring that up on here? Yeah, but you heard, right? You said he's doing all right. He's dead. Well, uh, I'm going to say I had a slip of the tongue. He's dead, Gilroy. Yeah, he's dead. Wait, he's dead, right? Gilroy, I'm winking at you. He's dead. I'm winking, too. We're winking at each other. There's an understanding here, right? All right, well, I'm going to use the restroom. Um, If you need anything... He just got that boat. You seen that boat? I'm talking about a different guy, not Epstein, if they're still recording us. You seen that boat? It's four stories on it. Just... We'll talk. I'll be right back. Where are you going? I said I have to use the restroom. I'll be back, Gilroy. If you need anything, Jennifer, over there. Jennifer, take care of him. Jennifer, Jennifer, you got a real feminine aura, Jennifer. Uh, mind if I touch your hair? Well, you know, I could reach if you're gonna pull back, and not that you just say yes or no. It's a simple question. I wasn't even saying because you're not really my type, but you know. Thought I'd at least kind of put it there. And it, you know what? You'd look good if you went blonde. Anyone ever told you that? You went blonde? How do you feel about elective surgery? You ever seen a Lamborghini before? I'm just going to put these out here on the table. We can go for a ride anytime you want. Not a problem with me. Oh, sorry to keep you. Um, Ain't no problem. I was just hanging out with, uh, what's her name? Jenna here? Jenna? Jennifer? Jennifer? You should go by Jenna. It's a more feminine name. I hope you're in good hands, Jennifer. Well, no, I, I you know, I, I learned a lot of stuff from the Me Too stuff. I sit on my hands till they tell me not to. <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot of people out to get me. You know right, I, I, met a, I met a young man in a su- oversized suit in the restroom. 
he was guarding the stall. He said that he's reserving it for you in case you need to use it. So I told him that's not necessary yeah, and that, that you no, have... You better go back there. Hey, hey, Eric. Gary. It's your one fucking job. Gary, we have a restroom for you in the in your room. Does it have a chase lounge in it? The bathroom does not. The room has a couch. Two couches, actually. As you Pretty saw. Good. Pretty good. I'm a more of a chase lounge guy, but I'll take the couch. Well, you don't have to sleep here. No, you're not sleeping here. <laughs> I mean, never mind. Let's get let's get let's get back into it. Well, we have like another 30, 35. Okay. We're gonna All right, do you, I, I need to plug what the do book you wanna, more. Get back to the book. You wanna get back to the book? Yeah, I gotta get back to the book, then I gotta talk about religion, because people said the Republican Party is gonna lose Christian voters, so I gotta get back in that. So I'm gonna talk about the book first. All right. Well, we'll do the book and then we'll get into the religion, okay? That's fine. Yeah, and then we'll talk about my scholarship for women. You have a... Okay. Shh. All right. Welcome back. We're sitting here with Gilroy Monsanto. Gilroy, you have told us about your book, your work, and I want to talk about it a little bit more. It's coming out, you said, September 25th. And yeah, that's I'm right. I'm very excited to read it myself. Thank you again for bringing it for me. Let's talk a little bit more about what that goes into. Is it more of a your journey and your career, or is it a little bit more personal? Can we get a little bit of well, insight? Well, it's now my journey and my personal life is kind of only addressed as like a, a, a counterpoint to the narrative that's going on by some people in the Midwest saying, uh, you know, industry's dying, people are poor, there's an opioid epidemic um, that conservative states are, are, are way more reliant on federal resources and don't generate enough of their revenue and are as such kind of viewed as welfare states in a way that I completely disagree with because there's mostly white people there. Um, what I propose is talking about my own experiences as a man from the Midwest, right? And talking about all these yokels, all people addicted to meth, people addicted to opioids, the first thing I would do is I was them is to not be addicted to opioids or meth and to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Now I talk about, you know, my economic position as I am a capitalist and that these things happen, but it is very, very easy to succeed in America from my experiences. I've never had to struggle ever. So the fact that people are struggling says that they're of predominantly low intellect or they just ain't trying very hard so the book basically says how there's a problem in the midwest but there's no way to fix it other than just doing better as an individual you get what i'm saying i, th I think i think i follow yeah basically it's a bit the whole book is just like a looking at a problem and shrugging at it and being like well guess you ought to work harder and that's basically it. Uh, but everyone wants to understand what's going on with poor white people right now. And the only people that can really explain that are rich white people such as myself. Now, you also recently have seemed to, when you speak, you speak a little bit more about religion and the importance of spirituality and kind of how Americans have lost their, their handle or their grasp on that, that aspect of their life. It's a little bit something that you're trying to almost revive, it seems, a little bit like the yeah. the notion of the the, the classic uh, image of the cowboy. 
Right. What, what, um, I, I do feel that that you know modern conservatism, the uh, Republican Party at the foremost, has kind of lost faith and God. You know, now it's kind of almost strutted out at the end, like, oh yeah, I believe me, like it's a formality, you know. Um, I'm a recent convert. Um grew up Christian. Non-denominational, as is the most electable. But I shifted. I had an experience, and I have converted to baptism. I'm a Baptist. Uh, So, no more dancing for Gilroy Monsanto. I found God. I have found a kind of weirdly judgmental and non-rigid religion that has a very few, you know, very core rules to it, but otherwise, kind of every preacher can kind of do what he likes. And, uh, you know, I feel like my experiences of what I saw changed me. And uh, uh, I, I, I don't know how to say it without getting a little emotional, but uh scared me, honestly. And I converted to baptism the next day. It's very powerful. To- I, 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 I saw a ghost. You know what I mean? I saw a ghost. I'm not... Like a... Like a like a ghost, like an actual supernatural, like a like a spooky ass ethereal, blue gray, see through person, floating around. Instead of legs, they had they looked like a person, but instead of legs, they had that kind of squiggly trying like that squiggly trail as they floated from one corner of the room to the other. Where where was this that and you were seeing? The, this the, this oh, was in my, in my. As you know, I have recently bought Graceland to be my house, mm-hmm. and I've been living in Graceland. And I saw the ghost of Elvis, and uh, it, it honestly it scared the Elvis, bejesus Elvis out Presley. Of me. You saw his Elvis, yeah, the El, the king. Elvis. You saw his I spirit. saw the ghost of Elvis. I saw Elvis in that white and red leather uh, jacket with the with the big lapels. You know the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And he had his big helmet like haircut, like that football helmet haircut. And he was wearing these big black sunglasses. And it was kind of fat Elvis, you know, when he got fat. And he had that slime trail, and he was going around just going, "Oh baby, oh baby, oh baby." And you know what? He, he, he. What? <sighs> Could it? I'm sorry. It's, 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 it's. That's thing. quite he, all right. He was. You, you know what he told me? What's that? He was really worried. And now that with all the news that Jeffrey Epstein was getting, that he wasn't going to be the most famous pedophile of all time anymore. And he kept saying, oh, baby. Oh, man. No. Nobody likes kids like I did. Oh, baby. I can't really do it, but you know, it's, it's that kind of thing like that. Kind of, kind of sounded a bit there, like Barney from the, the, the Flintstones there. <laughs> uh, a little, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, which I understand was Elvis's but, favorite show, actually. Um, and I pulled up my blanket because this is in bed at the time, and my my feet were sticking out, my toes were kind of wiggling like that as my teeth chattered, and I saw the ghost Elvis is going around back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and 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 you know, I immediately go. The following morning, you know, 
I Google ghosts. I didn't find really any answers there, just pictures like Casper and then just some nerd stuff about spirits and whatnot. So I asked my butler, who used to be Elvis's butler, and he tells me that Baptists don't believe in ghosts, that ghosts aren't real to a Baptist because he's a Baptist and that there's no way ghosts are real. And I immediately became a Baptist on the spot. I said, drive me to your church. You put me in the car. I was still wearing my pajamas. I go, I go, I got to get baptized, pour the water on my head and whatnot. He goes, we don't do that type of stuff here. It's more of a Catholic thing and whatnot. And I'm saying, whatever you got to do, you make me Baptist. Well, they, almost they, dunk, you in the, they dunk you in the river. If I see that ghost of Elvis one more time, I'm going to pee my little pants. And now I believe in God. I mean, I always did, but I believe in Baptist God, which I think is the same God. And, you know, I believe in not dancing. I hate the movie Footloose now. And, um, well, that's basically it, I think. Did they did they take you down to the river to baptize you, dunk you down in there? Or... I, yeah, they I had did. to go to the... I had to go down to the river. I had to go down to the creek. Now, I'm wondering if you... And they pushed... I'm just wondering if you had a possibly a, a, a bad dream or a nightmare because when we had dinner the other night... I'm not taking that risk. I'm not taking that risk. Well, you told me over dinner the other night that when you you purchased Raceland as your new your new residence, you immediately sought out the toilet that Elvis Presley died on. Uh, yeah. Due to his heart stopping, and you said you immediately had it destroyed. Yeah, I took a sledgehammer and I bashed it up because that's one of the Perhaps worst places for your a man guilt to die. Manifested in a dream that appeared to be his ghost that can't lay to rest because the toilet was destroyed. Maybe, but does that mean that the ghost of Elvis was just hanging out inside the toilet like it was kind of a Ghostbusters vacuum gun that had sucked him up when he died? Now, why don't we talk about this scholarship that that you've done? You have done a lot of philanthropy and charity work and You've given a lot of money to certain cities, um, especially yeah, yeah. a very interesting development recently in San Diego and Santa Fe and um, Chicago. You have given money to contribute to their infrastructure changes where you said they could develop um, rivers and waterways so there can be sort of what you called an Uber for jet skis. People can take jet skis around the whole city. Yeah. Yeah, like kind of how they do in Amsterdam with the gondolas, or that's Italy or Venice or whatever. I don't know. They sing while they do it, so I thought that'd be fun. But you wanted, you think that people should be riding around on, kind of like those those scooters, those share scooters that people are yeah. riding on the country, but they're riding around on jet skis in the water. Do you think this is an efficient means of transport? No, or? I mean, I didn't really think it through. Let me tell you something, Ike, about being like a ridiculously wealthy person, right? So you don't want to pay taxes, right? You're going to have to pay some taxes. You don't figure it out, but at the end of the day, you won't have to pony up something, right? So the more money you donate, you're just donating. You're kind of choosing. You can write it off. So you're kind of choosing what to do with your tax dollars when you donate stuff. So like rich people donate stuff all the time, but it's not really nice. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, do I want to, do I want to, you know, spend my tax dollars to fix somebody's road or feed somebody's ugly kid? No, I don't want to do that. It's almost like making a lot of me and my money, like mocking me. 
So what I wanted to do was I just like, shit, I'll just start donating money to other stuff. They're going to tax me less. I have to give less money to like some poor guy's ugly kid. So I just like, yeah, let's let's throw some jet skis in Chicago. Why not? Who cares? Let's uh, donate some money to, you know, let, let's make this cosmetology school so big with a $12 billion donation that they can get a football team. How about that? You know, I can do that kind of stuff with my money because, you know, and at the end of the day, it's really not going to be that different at, in my bottom line. Well, if you what follow led me, me here. to right, what I wanted to talk about was your most recent announcement of you making scholarships available through your company. Could you talk a little bit about that and those opportunities for these young people? Well, I'm very glad you brought that up because as we were talking about Hooters earlier, the waitresses there became awfully cold to me recently uh, because of a misunderstanding in the media and a missing persons case that resulted in an unsolved murder, right? And it has thankfully gone cold just as the women at Hooters have gone to me. So I've started this new scholarship here that will send Hooters waitresses to business school, right? And then give them a grant so that they can open their own Hooters. Because I look at these Hooters, right? And they got all these beautiful girls here. And then they got the manager going to be some guy named Luke. I don't want to talk to you, Luke. We make the owner of the Hooters a beautiful woman. We going to enable and empower them. And if any women want to participate in this scholarship, they have to come to little old Gilroy Monsanto. Now, this is being enrolled right now all over the country. Any girl and any Hooters can apply. But in order to apply, they got to come down to the Terre Haute Hooters, come to Table 6, which is permanently run by Gilroy Monsanto. And I'm going to pick 1,000 girls. I'm going to give them $200,000 to go to some Ivy League school for no reason. And I'm going to then give them a $400,000 grant when they graduate to open a Hooters and only to open a Hooters. I've invested $12 billion in this. Well, it's pretty ambitious, I have to say. And going back to what we talked about, how you kind of think that the country could use religion and they could use the cowboy to return. You're kind of reviving this, the whole notion of Hooters coming back. And now if, if that were to happen, I can see that playing hand in hand. If that was the case. What would the future of Hooters for you be like? Well, I would say that you know, just like the Wild West had its own imagery, right? You would have the brothel, which is kind of like the modern day Hooters, except you're not allowed to touch them unless you're taking a picture with them, and it's run by the madam, which will be the female Hooters owner who's kind of going to be like the madam taking care of all the girls. But the madam sometimes just as sexy as them girls is. Now you have fellas like me wearing a cowboy hat in cowboy boots, right? Perhaps working with some cattle or chopping their heads off in order to feed the other cattle so that they don't starve while they're going from Montana to Louisiana or whatever. And I'm like the cowboy. And I'm going into Hooters to see the madam, the owner that I have funded through my scholarship to talk to the girls, which are the girls at Hooters. You follow me here? So we're going to have a cyclical economy where the cowboys spend money in the Hooters to give to the girls. And then the girls go buy groceries, groceries like cow meat, 
that has been provided by the cowboys, a.k.a. vaqueros, in Mexico. And in this way, we create a cyclical economy effect that spirals and generates infinite money. So that's my borderline, my generic kind of financial plan for this playing out in the future. Gilray, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Yeah, we're we're getting close on time here. I gotta go meet, get my next uh, appointment out there. I gotta get, I gotta stay on TV for like the next two weeks trying to sell them books here. Well, that's all we have for tonight. I'm gonna go on the View. You ever been on the View, Wack? I have been on the View one time, seven oh, years God. ago. It was that, a different that's... group of ladies, but I had a. Oh yeah, this group of ladies. Now that table smells like shit, man. All right, Gary, just hold off a little bit, okay? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. That's all, right. Oh, that's all we have for tonight hillbilly lg2 comes out september 25th go pick it up gary monsanto thank you again ah, it has been my pleasure it's good to see you as always good night everyone no you can't we're done what well, we seriously can... have you been on the view lately no i haven't i, I haven't got this watched chip it. clip i got this chip clip i'm gonna put on my nose if megan mccain tries to hug me again i swear to god i'm gonna fucking throw up I'm gonna fucking throw up. She's and the rest of them, girl. And you know what, McCain? Yeah, she's awful. But good lord, the rest of them are as batty as a guy. Go- they're cuckoo as a goddamn cocoa nut. I, it's like, it's like sitting in the middle of a tornado when you're on the view. You're just looking around and it's left to right, and oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. And they all have different opinions, and none of them are. And you right can see Megan McCain and think, well, maybe I am a cowboy, like driving her around, you know. <laughs> That's right. She like <laughs> William the Refrigerator Perry right there. Yeah, you're talking about nuclear bombs. Al- the size of her, I think Indiana Jones might climb into her to survive a nuke or something. <laughs> yeah, she's she's like Mike Allstott with a blonde wig on. I swear, man. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. You held it together pretty well. Not a lot of slip-ups. I mean, I didn't notice until I came back from the bathroom that you had that very discreetly. You had the IV going into your leg, which had that, that bag of cl- uh, clonazepam. Which was, I could see why you're under a little bit more control tonight. You're a lot more relaxed, and um, well, you're. I mean, it was very, very calm. Yeah, I kept getting the makeup lady to come out here and get these big red rosy cheeks from too much uh, alcohol under control. Put that little green stuff on there to de-red me or whatever. But you know, I had fun. You know, I don't give a shit about this stuff. I'm gonna be fine no matter what. <laughs> well, I thank you again. I mean. Can I get you anything else, or uh, do you need Jennifer? Why don't you, uh, Jennifer? Look, what, do you guys you got need? anything what like blonde you? wigs? I really want to see Jennifer in a blonde haircut. Uh, and then I want you to go by Jenna. How badly, like, do you want to make it in television? <laughs>